So the last day of April today, and uh, we celebrate God's mercy over us. Um, he's allowed us to be here today, which is a great, great gift from Him. Hey, if you have your Bibles, won't you take them out, please, and uh, let's turn to the Book of Philippians, chapter two. Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be reading from verse 19 through to verse 24 this morning. So just before I read uh, that passage of scripture, um, you would know that uh, we've been covering this uh, particular book in the last uh, couple of uh, months um, in fact, since the inception of uh, Redemption Family Church, and it's been a glorious time, certainly for me, and I hope it has been for you too. Um, but uh, here we see that Paul has been encouraging his friends in Philippi. His overall theme of, this, of chapter 2 has been calling his friends to this thing about unity. This thing about unity. Because uh, God says that where there's unity, he commands his blessing. And so Paul understands that and he's uh, calling his friends, come on now, let us be united. Let us put aside all our differences as best as we can. Because when we do that, then God is exalted. The gospel is um, um, advanced and then God commands his blessing. So the overall theme of chapter 2 to date is unity. And today, my kind of intro as we look at this passage of scripture is this thing about relationships. This thing about relationships. When I say that word relationship, who here felt, oh man, that's a very, very hard topic to deal with. But guess what? All these topics are found in the Word of God and God gives us ways as to how to handle them and not only to handle them for our benefit, but for His glory. So, Philippians chapter 2 verse 19 says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your status. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not um, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know... um, Sorry, let me read another translation. I'm reading off of there. My apology. Let me, let me start again. Verse 19, it says this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Verse 21. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But 
you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Verse 23, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Now, when you read that passage of scripture, you might look at it and think to yourself, oh, what can we learn from this? Uh, I mean, okay, Paul, you know, he was, in, he was in prison, writing to the Philippians, trying to encourage them as to how to live this life um, for the glory of the king. And then he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you guys um, as soon as he can, because I'm in prison, I cannot come to you physically, but um, Timothy is not, therefore I'll send him on on my, on my behalf, he says, but what can we learn from this? And then he says that um, um, he has no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So my, as I said earlier on, the, the title is Relationships. Let me add to that. More than just relationship, deep, genuine Relationships would be the title of my message this morning. Deep, genuine relationships. Now, it is obvious that Paul had a good relationship with Timothy as we read this scripture. Here we see a good example of a father and son relationship. A good example of a father and son relationship with a common purpose. What's that purpose? To serve Christ through the advancement of the gospel. This example does not only apply to a father and son relationship, it also um, would apply to a mother and daughter relationship, a brother, um, brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, all of our, our relationships. It's not just a father. Uh, Timothy wasn't Paul's biological son. He was his son spiritually. But there we see an example of how it's, it ought to be. How it, it ought to be. Now this kind of relationship, as we see from Paul, it almost sounds too good to be true, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I mean, when I read that thing myself, he says, I, I have no one else who shows genuine concern for you, you guys in Philippi. Uh, Paul, I in prison, I'm going to send him because I know, I know no one else. It almost, sounds, it almost sounds like it's not true. Can that be said of us? Can I send you because I, got, uh, I know that you have a genuine concern for the next person? Um, can that be said of us as Christians? Now this kind of relationships, I confess, is not possible in our own strength. It is not possible left to our own devices, left to our own learnings, left to our own upbringings, left to our own stuff in this life. It is impossible. It is only possible through, number one, our union with Christ, first and foremost. It is only possible because we are united with Christ, first and foremost. But that's not uh, enough. That alone, being united in Christ, 
to generate this love relationship, this relationship, this trust relationship is not enough alone. You also need, number two, an attitude that considers others before yourself. A selfless attitude rather than a selfish attitude. We've spoken about this over the last couple of months. How is our attitude? This, this word attitude has popped up every now and again. How is your attitude? How, how are you interacting with each other? Um, attitude can either make us or break us. My attitude towards you and your attitude towards me will set the foundations of our relationships. Paul has been encouraging his friends here in Philippi, as I said, about unity. Unity, unity, unity. Now he demonstrates that um, all of these encouragements, all of these things that he's been uh, calling them to, is not based on mere uh, theory, but on real practical outworking. Who knows how much we need the real practical outworking of our, of our relationships. It's not just theory. Oh, I love you, brother. Oh, I love you, sister. Okay, what does that mean? It's great. But how do I love you? I can show you I love you by the way that I treat you, the way that I care for you, the way that I, the things that I do. So Paul sends his, um, his son, Timothy, in inverted comma, his spiritual son, and demonstrates that actually um, this friendship it's not just a theory. It's not just something in, in, in word. And so he uses himself as an example. Timothy and I have a common purpose to further the gospel. United in Christ, but with a mental choice, a mental attitude of considering each other before oneself. So, Paul considered Timothy before he considered himself. Even though he was in prison. Timothy, on the other hand, considered Paul before he considered himself. Even though he was free. Now man, that's, a, that's an impossible attitude to have left to our own devices. Left to our carnal ways of life. It's impossible for me to actually consider you more than myself. It's impossible for you and I to surrender like we sang this morning. if we do not have a common, a common reason as to why we get together. If you're not united with Christ and the outworking of that. See, as a result, Paul can confidently send Timothy on his behalf because he has no one like him, he says, as you, as you read in verse 20. The reality here is that trust is earned over time by proving yourself again and again. Repeating the same thing again and again. Those of us who have been married for many years, I mean, the trust that you guys have developed in your marriage relationship, that was earned, has been earned over years. 
It has been earned by repeating the same thing over and over again. Timothy could be trusted by Paul because Timothy proved himself to, to, to Paul with his care for the church. We know that um, it takes years to build up trust, but it will take seconds to break the trust. It can take seconds to break the trust. Yet it takes years, months, moments, a, long, a lifetime to build relationships, to build trust, should I say. Now this applies um, to any and all relationships. You think about it. Friendship relationships. It's not just about marriage relationships. When, how do you trust your friends? It's because the friends have built um, a, a trust level with you because they are consistent. They are doing the same thing over and over again. And then they repeat it over and over again. So you can trust me because you know I am your friend because you know I'm doing this way. And I do this thing over and over again. But the moment I break it, man, the trust becomes a problem. The trust is broken. And to try rebuild that trust is a difficult process. It's a difficult process. As I mentioned, it involves our marriage relationships. It involves our work colleague relationships. It also involves um, our relationships within the church. It involves in all aspects of our relationships, wherever we find ourselves, trust is earned over time by proving yourself over and over again. It's almost not good enough just to do it once. You have to do it again and again. When you do it, you do it again and again. And so it continues. And as you do that, so the trust is built. Now you must lack you must think to yourself, or I thought to myself, for someone to say that he or she has a genuine concern. So if I can speak of you and say, I know that you have a genuine concern about others. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. Paul, this great apostle, this great man of God, as it were, speaks of Timothy saying, I have no one else like him. I know that he has Genuine concern about your welfare. Wesley, this great man of God, I can speak of him and say, I know that he has great concern over the welfare of other people. Why? Because of that trust that he has earned by doing the same thing over and over and over again. The question I have to ask at this point is, can your brothers and sisters in Christ make such statements about us? Can we look at ourselves and we can be, be said of us that I know that I am trusted. I am trusted. Relationships, relationships, relationships. 
Paul calls for unity within the body of Christ, within the Philippian church. We need to be united because where there's unity, as I said earlier on, God cannot help himself but command his blessings. Then we get to verse 21 of this scripture, Philippians 2, which actually is a very sad, sad statement. But unfortunately, it is true. It is true even within the body of believers. Why is it true within even the body of believers? Because we are set apart, remember? We are in the world, but not of the world. Therefore, we are different. People look at us and they see something different. They might not say it, but they see it. But verse 21 is a very sad statement, but it's true even within the body of Christ. Verse 21 says this, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Even within, I mean, he's addressing the, the, the church. He's addressing the people in, in, um, in Philippi. Why would he address it? Why would he say that? Why would he say that people look out for their own interests and not the interests of Jesus Christ? Why well, we go back to this thing, as I mentioned earlier, this thing about attitude, our attitude. The reality is left to our own devices. We look out for our own interest. It's human nature. It's the, con- the sinful nature in us, the flesh in us wants to look out for ourselves. We want to look out for our safety. We want to look out for the best of, for us. For us. Have you ever thought or noticed that sometimes even our greatest efforts to help others may have a selfish motive? Even your greatest effort to help someone else may actually have a selfish motive. Ever thought about that? Ever, ever, ever considered that? I want to help you, brother, sister. I want to see you go forward. But actually, as I've helped you, guess what? I'm going to get the glory. I'm going to get the praise. Guess what? There's a, there's a selfishness in me. I'm trying to help you so that I can get the glory. I'm trying to help you so that I can get the, ah, you know, I'm, I'm so good. I've done, I've done, I've done. Ever thought about that? Our greatest efforts may have some selfish moti- motives at the core. I want to help you, dear brother and dear sister. But inside I'm thinking, actually if I help you, you're going to thank me. You're going to go around and say, ah, Joe helped me, did this and did that. He's such a great man. And there's, in some ways, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you help where where you can. But the intention, the motive, the attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. So whether I get praise, whether I get a thank you or not, it does not matter. I'm still going to help you. Because as I do that, Jesus Christ gets the glory. He gets the praise.
And I would say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, please, and help us not to be like that. We don't necessarily do it uh, on purpose. We don't necessarily do it willingly. It's just the, the carnal nature. But remember, we are being transformed. We are being changed from glory, from image, um, from glory to glory. The word of God says every day we are being transformed. Every day. Therefore, there's work to be done. There's work that is being done. We are not completely, yes, we have been justified when we give our lives to Christ. But then there's this process, as you know, called sanctification. This is where we are. This life, until the day we meet Christ, whether when he comes or he takes us home, there's a process. And therefore, he's working in and through us. And this is why, yes, there might be a selfish motivation in us. God, show it to me and help me to change that. Help me to give it to you and glorify you. Help me to surrender to you as we sang this morning. So that when we do get to glory, then we will be glorified. And guess what? God will get the glory that's due to his name. So don't feel guilty if there are those uh, selfish motivations that are, that are there be- to help others. Uh, just ask God to help us. Help us not to show us and help us to change it. So Timothy was genuine in his care for others. Are you genuine in your care for others? Are you genuine in your care for others? Is, is your care more like lip service, as they say? But are you genuine? So there are many who pretend to be concerned about others, but their claims are pretense. They're not real. It's just lip service. I care about you. Lip service. When you are in the in the in the wire, in the mud, in the in the at the bottom, I'll just walk right past you. I'll walk right past you because it's too much effort to, to actually help you out. It's a pretense. Timothy was a man who took genuine interest about the welfare. Of the people in Philippi. He did. Paul says. Again. Can that be said of us this morning? Can people say that. Our care. Is genuine. Or is it lip service. He knew. Timothy that. The concern that he had was spiritual and Christ-centered. Remember the, the, the key, well, they were unified in Christ Jesus, like us. We are together, not because we like each other necessarily, but we are unified because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. That's the basis. And then the outworking of it brings glory to him as we uh, work in, in and within our attitudes to glorify him. Timothy knew that what others needed more than anything else was to come to a steady abiding in Jesus Christ. His concern for others revolved around their need to be rooted in and grounded upon Jesus. 
And I can honestly say this morning that that is my deepest desire for Redemption Family Church. And any and all the circles that God allows me to be a part of. Any relationship that God brings my way in the kingdom under God's watch. That is my deepest desire. What I want is for us as a, as a people, as God, God-centered people, to love him uh, and to follow him as best as we can. But the outworking of it, it the practical outworking of it, it's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. His concern revolved around their need to be rooted in and grounded upon Jesus Christ. Is your relationship rooted and grounded upon Jesus? I also believe that should be one of the state, key statements, key focuses, key goals for churches at, at large. Out there. It should be. That every believer is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because if we are deeply rooted in the things of Christ, then by implication, we will pursue those things because we know that they are pleasing to God. Not only are they pleasing to God, they will bring Him glory. And we will naturally be equipped to do works of ministry, like His Word says. And as such, then we will find ourselves fulfilling the Great Commission by mobilizing each other, the priesthood of all believers. When we are rooted in Jesus Christ, when we are grounded in Him, we are searching, we are asking God, how, what, what do I do? Then we find ourselves pursuing Him more, wanting to learn more, wanting to only be found in a way that pleases Him and only Him. Now, how, how, how do we achieve that? How do you achieve that? And I, I believe this, we achieve that by preaching and teaching the word of God explicitly rather than our own opinions and persuasions. How about enough is enough of my opinions? How about enough is enough of your opinion? How about... Let's focus on what the Bible says, what the Word of God says, what it teaches, and let's abide to that. Because as we do that, He opens up new revelations, He, uh, he, he challenges us, He encourages us, and as we do that, we grow, we mature, He gets the glory, and His name is lifted up high, and we mature more and more. Then those motivations that are selfish kind of start fading away. Because it's no longer but our selfish intentions. Are we okay? I'm not chatting. I'm not chatting. But I just think relationships are so, so key. There is a reason why God created relationships. There is a reason God put us together. There is a reason for that. And so we need to find out what that reason is. 
and how to cultivate it. And in cultivating it, how will it bring God the glory? So remember, God has put us in different spheres, different areas, different places. How are your relationships in the spheres of influence you find yourself in? How are those relationships pointing towards Jesus Christ? How are they bringing glory to him? In your workplace, that's probably the, the, the biggest place we spend most of our days in our workplace engaging with unbelievers unbelievers that God has allowed for them to be in your life in that at that specific area in time how does it look like for his glory the truth is that selfishness prevents spiritual priority see the book to put priority of Jesus uh, on Jesus is the essence of Christianity. Jesus Christ must come before our wives or our husbands or even our children, our family. Jesus Christ must come before everything. Jesus Christ must come before our relationships that I spoke about. He must come first. Before our jobs, Jesus Christ must come first in everything. Now, by, by saying, making that statement, um, I have actually eliminated almost all Christians in the 21st century in the way we live our lives. No wonder Christians have such a difficult time Living this Christian life. This Christian life is supposed to be uh, a livable one. But when Jesus Christ is not first in everything, it becomes difficult for us. It becomes difficult for us. Are we together? Relationships. I always paint this picture about the cross. Now, the cross, you get the, this is the perpendicular way, right? God and us, right? That's the first relationship so from God to us. And then you get the horizontal, this is relationship between us. That's the picture of the cross. Jesus Christ died that he can restore our, our relationship with the Father. And that so he can engage our relationship with each other. That is key, and that is important to Jesus' heart. If it is important and key to him, how much more should it be for us as well this morning? So are there any relationships that you can think about? Maybe close your eyes if you're happy to. Um, any relationships that God has allowed you to have that are maybe taking strain? But God has allowed you to have them for His glory. And believe it or not, for your benefit as well. Father, thank you for relationships. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters under your care, united under your name. Father, I pray that you would help me to resolve any relational tension and issues that 
may arise. And damage your name. I ask, Holy Spirit, you help us all, God. Show us who we need to fix, whatever needs to be fixed, who we need to call on, who we need to pray for. Show us, God. Show us who and how and help us to do that, Lord. Because we know that when we do that, it brings glory to your most holy name and we actually benefit as well. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.